All right, good morning. I hope you're having a good morning. If you're not, it's not my fault. I don't know whose fault it is, though. So, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Yes, Lord. So happy about that. VBS. How many people went to VBS when they were a child? Raise your hand. Do you remember anything from it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you my one VBS story. This is it. I was in VBS, and they were telling the story. Back then, VBS was nothing like all they do now. They didn't have props and stuff. There was no setup. You just went into, like, your Sunday school class, and somebody talked to you, and it had cookies and cakes. That's not sort of what we do. Crash, yeah. But this is the thing. There was one thing that was said in VBS that just has stuck with me. Is they were talking about when the woman with the issue of blood... Remember that, Mark 5, when she touched Jesus? And it said that power came out, virtue flowed out of Jesus. He felt it. And he turned around like, who, who, you know, who touched me? And, you know, of course, they were fussing because there was a multitude. And I was thinking, wow, poor Jesus. He, somebody was stealing his power. <laughs> and he only had a little bit left to go. That's why, in my mind, that's why he was wanting to know who touched because he was wanting to get his power back from him. <laughs> Oh, it was a good day when you found out that Jesus has unlimited power, right? So that was my BBS story. Yes, Lord, thank you. Yeah. When I was a kid, we didn't go to church much. Then we started going for some reason. That was why I'm like, why are we going to church? Uh, and my daddy became a Sunday school teacher. And that was terrible because I was in his class. <laughs> Nobody wants to be in their daddy's class, right? But I would love to be in his class now, though. Amen, because he's gone, he's with the Lord. So what we're talking about, moving on, uh, we're talking about a prophetic lifestyle. Okay, We're not just talking about having prophetic words, which is awesome. We're not just having a prophetic gifting, being able to prophesy. All that's part of a, of a lifestyle of being prophetic. And that's really what God has called us to as believers. He's called us all to be prophetic people. And uh, so I just want to... Sort of start there. I know Marlon I think, talked on that prophetic last week, and and I have been. Uh, I want to read these scriptures here and just tell you a couple of things about about what's on my heart. It's uh, first. I want to read Colossians three one through three. It says, "If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Listen, set your mind on things on, on above, not on things on the earth." For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Set your mind, that's the point thing I want to point out, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's a really clear thing. This is a, a life-changing scripture. Uh, Marlon mentioned something about the keys. So here, this is what I want to say to you. You're going to get what you talk about. Okay? You're going to get what you talk about. That's a clear principle in the scripture. You get what you talk about. Uh, so what you think about is what you talk about. You, you understand what I'm saying? What you're, you're filling your mind up, ultimately that's going to come out of your mouth. And so that's why Paul was encouraging people to set their mind on heavenly things, things above, so that will start filling your mind, that will start filling your heart, and, and it will start coming out of your mouth. Um, so um, if, you talk about, if you talk about the Holy Spirit... You know what's going to happen in your life? The Holy Spirit, you're going to start noticing the Holy Spirit around you. you know, the Holy Spirit's around you all the time, but when you begin to talk about Him, He likes that. And He will begin to let you know, oh, I love how the Passion Translation, it talks about sometimes it, when it talks about Jesus healing and saving, uh, delivering people, it talks about the manifestation. They call Him the manifestation. He's the manifestation of, of what God's doing. So if you talk about, and another thing, if you talk about angels, if you sit in your home and you speak of angels and angelic presence, guess what's going to start showing up in your house? And, and you're going to know it. You're going to know that there's a presence of angels in your house. And when people come to your house, they will notice something different in your house. They'll notice a presence in your house. You hear what I'm saying? Because you get what you talk about. Okay, if you, all right, let's put it on the opposite, on the bad side. If you talk about hard things, bad things, trouble all the time, guess what you're going to start seeing? You, you're gonna, yeah, it's, it's, all of a sudden you're going to see everything that's wrong 
versus what's right. You're going to focus on what's wrong in the world, what's wrong with people, because any of us can look at anybody else and see wrong in them. I mean, you know, you don't have to be prophetic to do that. Okay? Just look at a person. You can see all the, all the wrong in their life. Okay? Even when they're trying to hide it, you can see that they're not perfect. they got problems. they got issues. they got failure. But if you focus on that, that's all you're going to see with that person. And then you'll begin to identify them as that. You know, one, a great gift from God is to be able to look at a person and see who God sees when you're looking at them. See the potential in them, the person that God created them to be. Although they may not be walking in it. You hear what I'm saying? But being able to see that and being able to speak to that and being able to you know, endure with that, that's such an important thing. Now, why is this so, okay? Why is this so? Well, there's two things. Marlon mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned James 3. The, the Bible says in James 3, your tongue is, a, is the rudder of your life, like a rudder on the boat. In other words, it's going to be the thing that directs where you go, Okay? So that's when you say, when you get what you're talking about, is, is if you talk about things, that's going to direct you. Also, it says in James 3, the tongue is like a little match. And it says, how great a forest fire, a, a little match, can, a, one little match, one little spark can burn thousands and thousands and thousands of acres to the ground. And so many times we say things that causes just unprecedented damage. So that's, that's one of the things. The other one is this, and I'll give you a couple of scriptures on this. This is really a, kind of an important principle in the spirit realm that the Lord showed me several years ago. It's like attracts like in the spirit. Like a, in the natural realm, just I think everybody's clear on this, but the way God created things to work, opposites attract, right? Men are attracted to women. Women are attracted to men. That's how God created that's God's order. Okay? Well, in the spirit realm, it's completely opposite. In the spirit realm, like is attracted to like. Angels are tra- attracted to God. Demons are attracted to demonic activity. Are y'all following this? Right, I'll give you two. Uh, this is very, this, if you'll start grab a hold of this and start living your life this way, it, it can really change your life. Uh, Matthew 13, 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given. You get that too? I remember the first time I ever read that. I thought, how unfair that is. Because I have nothing. No, you have something. And, and if, what you have, if you will allow that to be cultivated and grown in you, the Spirit of God in you, the gifts of God in you, more it will be added to you. You will have an increase in your life. Are you following that? That's life attracts life because the spiritual realm is all attracted to, to the spiritual realm. Uh, and he will have an abundance. That's pretty good. You, you can have an abundance of whatever God's already placed in you. Uh, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. You will actually begin to be diminished. You're either, you're either expanding in God and expanding what he has, or you're shrinking. There's not a middle ground. There's no middle ground in Christianity. Okay, there, there really isn't. There isn't this, oh, we're going to be nominal Christians. There, it, that doesn't exist in the Bible. It ex- you know, everything, we're supposed to be revolutionary, radical people. That's what the Bible tells us to be. It doesn't say, oh, you can be this middle ground. There's two places. It's radical, following Christ, or it's lukewarmness, or even coldness. That's, that's, your, that's your two choices. Are y'all following this? Mm-hmm. All right, let me read this one. This, here's an example. But I am still talking about prophetic, so. But who, whatever house, just Luke 10, 5 and 6, whatever house... You enter, first say, peace to this house. Peace to this house. Listen, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. In other words, you walk in the house and there's a man of peace there, you bring your peace there, your peace can get released and increase the peace that's there already. But if there's no peace there, guess what? Your peace comes back to you. Now that's what's going on in the spirit all the time around you. Okay? And so it's really important that we set our mind on things above. Okay? So we can begin to speak what, what we're hearing from above, what we're seeing from above. We can begin to speak that. It begins to direct our life, and there can become an increase in your life. All the way around in your life. Not just spiritually, but spiritually and physically, health, everything. There can be an increase all the way to abundance. And that's really how God has designed the kingdom to work on, on this earth. So if you're filling your mind with the troubles of this world, 
You're nothing. You're going to see nothing but the trouble. You can go and ask. If you could go and ask any person who lived in the day of Jesus if this was true, and they would say absolutely, because most people did not see Him. They didn't see the most glorious thing. Is their mind was somewhere else. Their mind was on religion, or their mind was on whatever. But the person who did see Him and the person who did recognize Him, that's where they had this increase, and they was able to come in and enter the kingdom. Y'all following this? Y'all are sort of just looking. Somebody look like you're distracted. I'm telling you, this is really important. And if you will begin to practically put this to work in your life, your life can shift. You can begin to connect more with God, hear more of what's going on around you spiritually, because there's stuff going on around you spiritually. And you can begin to cultivate that and learn how to tap into the spirit realm on an ongoing basis. It's really important. Anyways, um, I'm just going to lay that kind of as a, a groundwork. Man, I wish I was a little bit more into this, but yeah, it is good. So, in the Bible, uh, talking about the prophetic, there's three chapters in the Bible that Paul gave. Really kind of, thank you. First Corinthians 12, First Corinthians 13, First Corinthians 14. Okay, this is talking about the prophetic gift of prophecy. Okay, so what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, he gives us uh, a bunch of gifts, spiritual gifts, and prophecies going on, healing, and blah, blah. All these gifts, so you can read it in there. And then he starts talking about the body being one body, okay, and how we need the whole body. Every person can supply something, every person, and, and, one per, and, and we're not complete without each other. And that's really really how God designed this thing to work. We're not complete without each other. No matter how gifted a person is, he still doesn't have it all, and he needs other other people. You know, so therefore God's calling for a real body to be, to arise in the earth, not just people who go to church. He's, he's looking for a real body of Christ in the earth to be able to function. But he ends the chapter by exhorting, like, hey, go after the best gifts. That's what he, that was his instruction. He lists all the good things. Just go after the best ones, and then he shifts in First Corinthians to, to love, and he's you know he goes completely away from the gifts, and he starts talking about what God's love is and what love is, love is, and then he goes to, after he finishes talking about love, it's like he just sort of sandwiched that in, and then he in First Corinthians fourteen one he says pursue love and desire spiritual gift, but especially that you may prophesy. Are y'all following this? So he did that because he basically what he was saying is love is what fills these gifts. Love is what enables these gifts. Okay? And you you know, you can't have a gifting that's really of God and really flows the way God flows unless it's filled with love because God is love. And, and that's why he was saying that. He he wanted to make sure we're not just talking about you know spiritual gifts that everybody would would naturally love, but he was talking about it has to be filled with the love of God. And that's why he said, I think I said it a few weeks ago, pursue, pursue love and, and spiritual gifts. It's no good for the church just to pursue love alone. As shocking as that may sound, because that's what it says there. So you, the body of Christ can't be this place where it says, oh, we accept you, we love you, we want you to feel love, we want you to feel cared for. It needs to do that, but if it just does that... It's not really fulfilled what how Paul instructed the believers to be. And, and so what we're leaving off, we're leaving off something supernatural. Okay? We're leaving off this supernatural aspect of God, and God is supernatural. You know, we've got to make sure that the, that the body of Christ in the earth is a supernatural acting of people. And that's why he said, and you've got to do both. And so really, I think it's been an amazing thing the past few years, the revelation of the Father's love and how you know the church has really tried to, to be a, more of a loving place, right? And we really, I feel like the body of Christ, at least most churches, a lot of churches, has really tried to get away from being hard and being religious and being demanding on people to being more loving and accepting to people. And that's really the right thing to do. But if that's all we've done, we have fallen short. It's like we got halfway there and stopped. And we'll never see the finish the way God meant it to be. 
if we don't really tap into the and, pursue love and spiritual gifts, and he said, especially, especially that you might prophesy. And he, um, I think I mentioned it last time. Woo, mercy, Lord. At the end of this chapter, in the 14, he said, earnestly, earnestly desire to prophesy. I mean, he, he upped it. He upped it. But and I believe the reason he did, because a lot of us will settle where we're at spiritually. A lot of us will settle for somebody else to be spiritual for them. And we're not willing to really step into a prophetic lifestyle. You know? And what Paul was trying to do is encourage us to become these prophetic people. And everybody can become a prophetic person. Everybody. You really can. If you really study the scripture. So, the prophetic really is the, 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 the love language of God. You know that seven love language book that was real popular a long time ago? Yeah, I hated that book. <laughs> you know, it was terrible. You know, you, know, you, know, you have some love language like that. Ain't no love language. Uh, you know, there's a way you, you know, you're supposed to love somebody and, and then they don't like the way they're being loved, right? I'll just tell you this on Becky. I did this on Megan. One time I bought the flowers on Valentine's Day, and she got mad at me. Because they got there late at night, which was not my fault. And she was like, why don't you throw your money away on these flowers? Well, to me, it was like, oh, this is what you do. You buy the, the wife flowers, and she'll be happy with flowers. And she wasn't. She wouldn't be happy with them anyway, no matter if they got late or early. I would never figure out Vegas love language. That's why I hated that book. It's like, what? Quality time. That's what I think most men in here are just befuddled about how to love their wife. Or their, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, nothing seems to work. You know. Anyways. But, so you get the point. There's a love language, right? And I do think everybody has to. I got a certain love language, you know. I got certain things that I want to be, you know, that people do for me or say to me or whatever. I'm not going to tell what the secrets are. But it's, you know, it really makes me, like, oh, I feel love by that person. I love that. I love to be loved. We all do. God created us to be love receptacles, right? And so that's what I'm saying about the prophetic. The prophetic really is God's love language. That's how he wants to communicate love to people. Okay? And see, when we pursue the prophetic, it includes these other gifts. Okay? These other gifts like the gifts of healing, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. All these things, the prophetic can bring them in. That's why he said it was the best gift. And the, and the greater includes the lesser. It's, it's the greater gift. So it, it can include those other gifts. So you, so you can get prophetic words for people and see things and be able to get it to them and help them with their life. Yeah. You know? And if they need a healing, you might prophetically see that they need a healing. And so that's what the church is designed to do. We're designed to do that. And we wonder sometimes why it's not working good. I'm going to tell you this, okay? I'm just up here talking, okay? Here's some of my secret thoughts about church. I do not think it's very wise, long haul, for the church just to work on how we do church. Okay? I think we need to be working on this. Okay? I think these are the things we need to go after versus a certain style or a certain look. I mean, all of that has its place. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I don't want something crummy and ugly and sorry and you know all that. But the truth is, this is what the scripture teaches. We were listening to this preacher recently preach, and I was shocked at what Becky said about him. She was saying after we listened to him preach, uh, I don't even know who's training these guys to preach like that. I mean, where is that in the Bible? So what she was saying, there's no such preaching like that in the Bible. What are they preaching that way? Well. You know, they're preaching that way because they're trying to attract certain things instead of, you know what I'm saying? Look, I'm not here, I, my job's not to judge anybody, okay? But I tell you what, my job is, your job is, is, is to be who God called you to be and be true to that, no matter what that looks like, whether, it's, whether it fits in popular culture or whether it doesn't. You, you need to find who you are and be that fully. You will never be successful in your life if you don't. If you're always trying to fit in, you're not a spiritual chameleon. You know what that is? That is not what God called you to be. He called you to be who you are and what He's placed in you, the treasures He's put in you. 
to tap into those things and let those things flow in your life. Are y'all all right? Yeah. Amen. Well, much more. Yeah. So here's what's really powerful. Huh? Oh, it's five love language. That's why. Well, words of a phone, quality time, gifts, touch, acts of service. I'm telling you, I can't figure out any of those yet. Anyway, quality time. Well, you know how that goes. Uh, quality time. Let me read this. I don't know, man. That book, that book, if you're a husband, you might read it, but you might be confused like I was. Like, it didn't work. They left one of them out. There's one missing from my life. Because none of those are working with her. Sorry. Let me tell you what she did to me recently. <laughs> she's got this mind. birthday coming up. She's been wanting this certain type of vacuum cleaner. Oh my God. And so my daughter oh, said, I was she was talking Good. about my daughter. That's who I confer with about gifts for her mother. So she sends me this thing about this vacuum cleaner. Okay? You know how that goes on a text. So I asked Becky to text my daughter, which was a mistake. She gets my phone, and there's that picture of that thing. What is this? It's nothing, Becky. It's just nothing. It was going to be your birthday present. It's a really nice bag now. I'm like, oh, I can't believe those things cost that much money. That gives me a good reason not to give it to you. All right, now let me get here. I'm sorry. I'm just... Being ridiculous. First Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. This is such a beautiful thing about the prophetic. Listen, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed, uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. You, you, you see that? He's talking about prophetic. How the prophetic can impact lost people. And the church is like trying to hide prophetic, afraid to offend people. And here the scripture is the word of the Lord is so sharp that you, whatever whatever secret sin, whatever, can be revealed. But that's really where the church needs to go. The church needs to be operating in that kind of power and that kind of understanding. Not to hurt people. Not Because this is not about hurting people. It's about loving people. And the greatest thing we could do to a person who's living in secret sin or, or whatever or doing things they shouldn't be doing is for those things to be revealed, to set up, get them free from them. Yeah. And I'm telling you, this, this is going And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly a man. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And so that's where the Lord, when we talk about a prophetic lifestyle, that's, that's where the Lord wants to take us, to, to that kind of lifestyle. When we can look at a person and see, a person's all bent over and see why they're bent over. What happened to them that got there and then begin to speak to that thing in them. And that's, but we got to embrace, that's why Paul says, honestly go after it. It's because it's a tool for the harvest. And there's going to be a harvest that's going to come. A big harvest. And God really wants to use this anointing on people to bring people into the kingdom. And to be able to reveal things. I just love that. Okay, here's another one about the prophetic verse 31. You all, for you all can prophesy one by one. Isn't that a cool verse? All. It's what he said. Everybody can prophesy. Everybody in this room, you can prophesy. Now, if you don't believe you can, you'll never be able to do it. But if you don't believe you can, you're an unbeliever because that's what it says. All can prophesy one by one. Listen to this. That all may what? Learn. Everybody say Learn. Learn. And all may be encouraged. We think about the prophetic as just an encouragement. But here Paul's talking about the prophetic actually being a teaching tool for people. Yeah. Are you getting this? It's not just to encourage things about the prophetic. So we can learn something. We need. See, that's why we, we can't learn without the prophetic. Acts chapter 13. Church of Antioch. It says there were teachers and prophets there. Teachers and prophets. And that church became one of the greatest uh, churches in the New Testament. A lot of people don't really understand that. But Jerusalem was the big church for a long time, the mother church. But then Antioch 
Everything shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch. It shifted from Peter to Paul. And that was Paul's church. And that, that became a very powerful church. You can go read it sometimes. And then there was another shift later over to Ephesus, which became like the largest church ever in those, in those days, where uh, John the Apostle was in the church at Ephesus, uh, the mother of Jesus was in the church at Paul, and started founding the church. I mean, it was like the greatest church ever. Listen, this is sort of opposite. It was the greatest church ever, but the last thing we hear about that church is in Revelation. And Jesus said this to him. He said, y'all have done all these awesome stuff. Y'all are apostles. Y'all are pro- y'all have done all these great works, but I got something against you. You left your first love. Mm. That's what he said to the church of Ephesus. He said, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't get back to your first love, I'm going to take your candle away. In other words, you can still go on and be a church. You can still go on and act like a church and do what church things, but in my eyes, you'll, you won't be a church no more. That's what he said. The last thing, I find that amazing. A church where an apostle John was the leader, where Paul founded it, where Jesus' mama, Timothy, actually wound up pastoring that church. And the last thing we hear, they fell. They fell down. Why did they fall down? Because they didn't really pursue the Lord. They didn't really go after Him. They didn't pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And they, and they went down. And Jesus had to, like, shake them up. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. Prophecy. I can use right. prophecy and revelation. Let two or three prophets, number twenty verse twenty nine, first Corinthians fourteen. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. Listen, but if anything everybody say revealed. To another who says by let the first keep silent. So this is sort of obvious. But all prophecy is based on revelation. Okay? That's what he's saying there. Prophecy is not based on information that you can figure out yourself. So, it's not information. I had a friend of mine, this prophet went to his church, and he gave people all these per- personal words, and then afterwards, some people in the church came to my friend and said, that guy went on Facebook and found out all this information about us and prophesied. Well, the guy didn't. The guy was getting all that by revelation. But people refused to believe that. They refused to believe that God could reveal stuff about them supernaturally. And so what, what happened was, you know, they didn't receive, receive it. So they didn't receive what God had, uh, the gift that God had brought to them. So, you know, a lot of people uh, mistakenly call preaching and teaching prophecy. I'm telling you, that is not what the scripture says. Not what that says. Prophecy. Because all preaching and teaching is not based on revelation. It's based on scripture, which is supposed to be. It can include revelation. You know, preaching and teaching can be prophetic, but not all preaching and teaching is prophetic. You see what I'm saying? So that's how a lot of people who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit have made a, okay, well, there's a certain thing as prophecy, pursue love, earnestly. Oh, that's preaching. That's what, that's what they say, but that's not true. Because prophecy is always based on revelation. It's not based on a hunch or something you can, you can figure out on your own. It's based on something that God reveals supernaturally to you, that you had no way of knowing. That's why, it's, that's why Paul's saying that, that, that. But if anything is revealed to another, let's look at verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, listen, has a teaching, has a tongue, has what? A revelation. He makes a difference between a teaching and a revelation. Are y'all seeing this? This is important because that's what the prophetic is. It's about revelation. It's about God revealing something to you. And you being able to communicate what God has revealed to you in in a language that people can understand. And so we want people who can preach that, that are they're preaching out of revelation. We call it preaching out of their belly. They're not preaching out of their head. They're preaching out of here. Because a lot of what they're getting is stuff that God has revealed to them as they you know, pursue the Lord for what He wanted them to say. Is that it wasn't just teaching. But just pure teaching has to be just based on Scripture alone. And so that's, that's what the difference is between the prophetic 
and teaching. One of them is really more based on the, on the Scripture alone. Another one is based on what the, is revelation. Are y'all following this? Y'all are just looking at me with blank looks. Am I not making this clear? This is so important. Yes, I'm going to hint. All right, let me read this verse 31 again to you. For you all can prophesy one by one. Okay. You all can prophesy. Why can everybody prophesy? Yeah. Everybody can prophesy because, I want you to hear this, because you have, everybody has the ability to receive revelation. Are, do y'all see that? You all can prophesy. Prophecy is based on revelation. So what Paul could, could say, hey, every one of you in this room have the ability to receive revelation from God. And since you can receive revelation from God, you can prophesy. <clears throat> and see, that's where the church really has to step into this thing. That's, that's, that's what, where we have to really go after this thing. If you, want to, if you want to be a prophetic person, if you want to live a prophetic lifestyle, you need to make revelation like that one of the top things that you're really doing in your life, that you're really asking God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, as he says in Ephesians 1, 17, 18, 19. And when you begin to pursue that revelatory realm, okay, God begins to reveal things to you, and you can begin to f function prophetically no matter where you're at. It's not just something you do in church. It's got to be outside that church. It's got to be your, it's a lifestyle. Amen? Amen? So I'd like to talk to you more about revelation, but I want to stop because there's two things that God has revealed to me that a lot of people need right now. Okay? And I may have shared this already. I can't remember for some reason. Um, the first one is hope. Is how many people have had their had their hope wounded? Your hope was wounded. Now that's that's I mean I get that. So when your hope is wounded, guess what you lose? You lose vision. Okay, because hope is in the future. It's the is the expectancy of good things. So when that gets wounded, your spiritual vision, your vision for your life, what you see, gets wounded itself. And you begin to lose vision for life. Suddenly you don't really have that real clear vision of what you're doing, where you're going, because your hope's been wounded. Your hope's been wrapped down. And so that's really what, where a lot of believers, I find, uh, are. They're stuck in this thing where they have, they've lost hope. They, they don't have this hope burning in their heart no more. And so that causes you really just sort of to go through the motions of your spiritual life. And so what the Lord was showing me is that people need their hope. They, they need their hope healed. They need His hope to begin to flow in their hearts again. And when they do, they'll, they'll begin to have vision for life again. They'll begin to see things again. And, and, and they'll begin to have this thing in them that's encouraging to them where they're seeing God and they're seeing potential and they're seeing something that could happen for them versus like hoping in a worldly sense. So I think that's one of the things that God wants to heal in people in this room today is I feel like He wants to heal your hope and bring you into a place where you you're, you're have a vision for your life and a vision for what you're doing. And you have this positive thing working in your heart where you just really believe something is really going to get, happen to you. And the other thing I have found that's uh, really important um, is the uh, assurance. In, in your heart, assurance. You know what I'm talking about, assurance? Assurance is tied up to confidence, which is tied to trust. Okay? If you don't have this assurance in your heart about something, okay, you can't really trust the Lord that he's going, to, he's going to take care of that thing or He's involved in this thing. And assurance is not, I'm telling you, assurance is something that's absolutely inside of you. It does not come on the outside at all. It's something that you have in you and you know when you have it and you know when you don't have it. And one of the reasons when you know when you have it is when you're at peace and you're not full of anxiety about something. You're not fretting over something. And, and so many times in my life, I've found myself in a situation where I felt absolutely just crushed in my heart about a situation. And like, Lord, you know, 
All I need, I just need this one thing about this. If you'll give me this one thing, just give me this assurance that you're going to take care of this. If you'll give me that, I'll be fine. And I'll just go to bed, just, just tore up. And wake up, the first thing I feel is like, oh, I feel this assurance. God, God's going to take care of this. I can trust Him. And that makes a big difference in people's lives. And it gets rid of the anxiety and the fretfulness of the people. Because it's really tied to trusting Him. And trusting Him and His Word. Does anybody in this room get what I'm talking about? Does anybody feel like they need assurance in their heart this morning about something in your life? For me, it's usually a specific situation. Okay? A specific situation that's causing me stress. It's causing me anxiety. It's causing me to be fretful. And, I'll st- and I'm going to tell you something. I cannot make myself not be fretful. I can't make myself stop worrying. I just can't do it. But if, when I have that ins- assurance, suddenly I can stop. Because with that assurance comes this grace. Like just to trust. God's going to take care of this. You can just trust. And it's like this, this weight lifts off my heart. Anybody, if, you, if you're a person this morning, you feel like you need some assurance about a specific thing in your life, or maybe just in general, maybe you're just like, God, I'm so confused, Lord, about everything. If you want, I would like you to just to stand up, and I'm going to pray for you about whatever your thing is, and ask the Lord to help you with assurance, to give this assurance in your heart about whatever's bothering you, or whatever you're concerned about, because God wants to do something for you. He wants you and I to trust Him implicitly. Okay? And He's in assurance, if you look at the definition of assurance, is confidence. It's this confidence in you that God's going to do this. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. And I'm going to tell you something. Parents, the worst thing in the world in your life is your kids, you know, doing something they shouldn't do or being messed up. It'll drive you nuts as a parent. And you guys who've got little kids, I just, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking about my adult children who can sometimes just make me want to clock, climb the wall. You know, of some of the stuff that's going on in their lives. It's like, God, please. So I just pray, Lord, this morning for everybody. Just put your hand on your heart. Lift your hand if you, if you want to. Just... Lord, I just want to share what you've shared with me, Lord. And there's been just so many times in my life when you have assured me when there was nothing or when there was no hope even in front of me, Lord. There was no answers. But you assured me. And Lord, I was able to walk it out and see the hand of God. And I was able to trust you, Lord. And all that anxiety left me, all that fretfulness left me, all that worrying left me. So I just pray that for these people in this room. I just pray, Lord, and ask you to do it for them, Lord. I ask you to give them the gift of assurance. Just tell the Lord right now uh, the specific thing in your life where you feel like you need some assurance. Just tell them. That's, you can say it under your breath or you can say it out loud. Just ask Him to give you assurance. Just ask Him to give you. And let it come. Let it come however He wants to release it and when He wants to release it. You know it. You will know it when he releases it. You will know it in your heart. Nobody will have to tell you. You will know it. You will know that. Ah, oh, just trust in the Lord. This is, I'm not fretting. I'm not fretting. And Lord, when the enemy comes and does all his thing, Lord, they just get pushed that away. I just thank you, Lord, for that. Just release that now, Lord. Just release that. Mm, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Fix that too, Mm-hmm. Now Jesus said that Be anxious for nothing And everything give thanks This is God's will in Christ Well he I'm telling you That's how we can be anxious for nothing It's when we feel assured of anymore. We thank you Lord today for assurance That you're releasing right down this room Heavenly assurance Thank you for the people in this room, Lord, that you love and truly care for. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, once you sit down, I want to do the hope thing. Yeah, um, 
years ago. And, you know, I really did feel like a lot of hope was gone about the future. And I, and I, I feel like I live in a place where I had very little hope. You know, that's the way it felt to me. And of course, you know, the Bible tells us without hope, there's not faith. Okay? Without faith, you know, there's not seeing. Because your faith is what allows you to see. It's what allows you to give you that clarity. It's what, that's what the scripture teaches. That's, that's uh, first, I think first thing this Bible talks about. Eyes by faith. And so, you know, I went through that, and, and, and God had to do something. He had to heal. That's what I felt like he did. I felt like he healed the hope in me. And I'm, none of my circumstances in my life changed. Not one circumstance. Nothing was different. But I was different. In a moment of time, everything that I saw around me suddenly looked different to me. It was like I had this hope in me. And there's, there's power in hope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There, there's power. All of a sudden, I knew there's possibility. I knew there's opportunity. I knew that God was going to do something. But before that, it was like, I hope God does something, but it wasn't real hope. It was, it was a lie. It was deception. It, was, it would be earthly hope. I would say, I hope God does something, but deep down inside, I didn't believe He would. Because I didn't have the hope flowing. And without the hope, my faith just couldn't, couldn't operate. And I think a lot of people go through bad times in their life and have one disappointment after the other, after the other, after the other. And God doesn't answer their prayers. You know, things don't work out in their life. Some terrible thing happens, and it's just like they just feel beaten down, and they start losing it. And what happens is, is your hope gets so wounded that it can't work. It just can't work. And then your faith can't work. And God really wants to, to restore your hope this morning. And cause you to be a person full of hope. Full of believing. Romans 15 ties hope and believing together directly. Hebrews 11 ties hope and faith together directly. So if you're a person this morning, you feel like that's an area. And okay, let me just say this. I didn't really understand that when it was happening with me. I didn't really understand that was what was wrong with me. You know, because you know, I was going on with life. I was doing what God told me to do. You know? But I'm telling you, there's something lacking in me. And once the Lord did what he did, I'm not going to go through what he did with me because he does it different with everybody. He meets us all where we're at. But once he did that, I understood exactly where I was being and what was going on with me. Because all of a sudden I had this knowledge that God imparted to me about this is what's been going on in your life, Byron. Your head got so beat down. And you know there was a prophet that told me that about four years ago. He told me about my hope. I didn't listen to him. I thought, this doesn't my hope. I'm fine. I'm fine, man. You're missing this. So if, you've, if you're a person, you've got it. And the way I know about the hope thing is, is the vision thing. You have a vision for your life. You've got to say, I see this potential. I see these things that can happen. I see these things I can do. God actually might want to still use me. God has these thoughts. God has this business for me. God has something for my children. You know, it's that kind of thing. You start getting going in your life, and that changes everything. So, that's how you know. Now, is anybody here that feel like you're suffering, you know, in the, in the arena of hope? Please stand up so I can pray for you. Hope is such a problem. The, the, you know, it's what, the, these three remaining, faith, hope, and love, there'll always be, there'll always be hope. Always be hope. Yeah. The word for hope in the New Testament is uh, E-L-P-I-S. And um, it means a joyful anticipation. And, and we've kind of messed the word hope up a little bit. You know, like, I hope the IRS doesn't audit me. You know, um, I hope my wife 
that they eat that casserole. Um, but but biblical hope is a joyful anticipation. There you go, a joyful anticipation of life. Yeah, that's great, Jeff. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to pray. I pray for you. May that hope will start flowing in you again. The greatest hopeful person I ever was was Jesus. So inside of us, locked down sometimes, is, is that beautiful hope. So Lord, I just pray for healing over the hearts of these people that their hope has been wounded, their hope has been suppressed. The feet of their hope have been knocked down too, one time too many. Lord, they've had too many unanswered prayers. Uh, they've had too many disappointments where they went after something that didn't work and they had failure, too much failure, Lord. Uh, or they saw things that they just believed for and believed for and it didn't work out. Or they got wore out believing. They got tired of believing you for something and it didn't work. They saw destruction in their life. They saw loss, loss of relationship. Uh, they saw death in their life. That has just brought them down. Just brought them down. And so, Lord, today is a day for their hearts to be healed. There's a day is a day for your hope to begin to flow again in their life, Lord. And so, Lord, just, Lord, like you came to me, Lord, and looked into my eyes, Lord. And, Lord, when you looked into my eyes, I saw a different world. I saw a different world, Lord. I didn't see this world no more. I saw a whole other world. I saw a whole world of potential, Lord. And so I ask you, Lord, to give the gift. In this room right now, where they begin to look in your eyes, how that works for them, and they begin to they begin to see this world of potential around them, a world of potential, a world of possibility, Lord, not a dark world, not a world that's coming down and falling apart, but a world that if it's falling apart, it can be rebuilt, it can be restored, it can be fixed. There's a healer in the land. Lord, I just pray that for every person in this room that they would begin to catch that in their hearts. They'd be able to catch that in their hearts. Lord, that there's potential. There's possibility. There's hope in your life because there's a God of all hope that will fill us with joy and peace as we believe Him. And so, Lord, I just ask you to release that right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the hope of your calling. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you sit down one more time? Hey, it's just now 12 o'clock. So I haven't, I haven't over-preached you, you know, or anything. I haven't over-preached you. I would like us to just like maybe do a song or something, if we could. What happened to Sarah Gellin? Did she get mad? Ooh. <laughs> At you? Probably had to go do a doctor. <laughs> She's that diaper. Well, you know what I think about that? If you're a mama, that's more important than Lord worship. Right? Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah. So Becky's going to just leave us in the song. Marty comes with that. She wants y'all to come up there with her. I did want to give this word to this guy, okay? I really do. I'm just going to go with Chris Winger. I said something. Stand up, Chris. This is what I, the Lord showed me in the dream about you last night. Chris, let me tell you something. My dreams are highly accurate. So you can deny this all day long, but uh -oh. I have 100%. But the Lord showed me that you have a gift for writing. And that there's these little, they're not like books. They're like these little articles or pamphlets. Actually, they're pamphlets is what I saw. And they're writings of wisdom. That's what I saw, writings of wisdom. And I feel like the Lord's put wisdom in you. And the way he wants that community, and I think it's for people, I don't think it's people in the church. I think it's for people out there in the world. That's what I really, it's written in a way that they can, they can get it. But it's God's wisdom written down. And I think God's put that in you, put that gift in you. And I actually saw them. They were like these like little booklets. I mean, they were very professional looking, very quality looking. But I knew that they were not for the Christian people. They were for the unbelievers out there in the world. So I just feel like that's something the Lord really wants you to pursue. Uh, you know, 
And you can make the terrible mistake of getting, since he's not here, Jacob Willow to help you write. If you have very thick skin and don't mind getting your feelings hurt, you know, and getting, you know, what does this mean? Nobody can understand that. That's ridiculous. You know, if you can take all that time, he will help you be a good writer. Okay? So I want to pray. Y'all put your hands towards Chris. And let's, let's love Chris. And love the gift of God that God has put in Chris Winger. Because I do believe the Lord has put wisdom inside of your heart. And I just pray, Father, you would help Chris to be able to communicate, to write that wisdom down and begin to share it with people that need, desperately need God's wisdom but never would, never would walk in the church to get it. But he could take the wisdom to them. And so I just pray, Lord, over the days, the months, the years ahead for Chris to be able to release that wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have the ministry team. We have the ministry team come up. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Just kidding. And you know that that water has really touched your heart. Please avail yourself of this lovely ministry that they may come in agreement with you and bless you and love on you and pray over you and prophesy over you. Amen. So don't be shy, make your way up. And the only word that I got was somebody in your love's Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, whoever that is. Yep. Pink Floyd. Someone loves Pink Floyd in here. And the Father just wants you to know it's really okay not to love people, but he, ha he has a word for you. So if you want to come talk to me later, please come. Los hermanos que quieran recibir administración pueden pasar, por favor. Si necesitan oración, acá hay hermanos que van a ponerse de acuerdo con usted, con su necesidad. Y el pastor Marlene estaba diciendo que hay alguien, el Señor le mostró que hay alguien que le encanta el piso rosado. Amen. So, so make your way up here. If not, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord just be with you this Sunday. Amen.